This is BIV Today, the daily business video show and podcast from the journalists at Business in Vancouver. I'm Haley Wooden. This week, we're taking a deeper look at the issue and topic of transportation in British Columbia and beyond. And my guest today is the CEO of BC's original car sharing company, and in fact, the first car sharing co-op in North America. Patrick Nangle is the CEO of Moto, and he joins me today. Patrick, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thank you, uh, Haley, for the opportunity. Now, I know Modo predates Uber, Lyft, Cardigo, other services. What do you think the company saw back in 1997 that other companies didn't necessarily see? Well, it, the, Modo emerged actually out of a, a thesis uh, project at uh, Simon Fraser University, young lady who um, saw uh, that she had a need and her friends and colleagues had a need. They wanted to live a sustainable life, live affordably without the need to own a car, use one when they could. Uh, she saw that happening already in Europe, started in, uh, in Switzerland, was existing by then already quite a few, uh, already a few decades in Germany, and, uh, and wrote it up and, uh, and uh, handed in her assignment and started to actually do it. And so she canvassed a few friends in the West End, and uh, they managed to uh, scrape together the money for a couple of cars and, and got started, and it's just grown pretty consistently since then. Wow. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how the culture around car ownership and maybe attitudes toward car sharing have evolved over the last 20 years, because there still are so many cars on our roads. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, too many. <laughs> There's a lot of cars out there. It's uh, two cars for every three people in the lower mainland. So so we still have more than one and a half million cars uh, floating around just in the lower mainland. Forget about the rest of BC. Uh, car, car culture for many of us is very deeply um, ingrained, you know, from uh, from early days when one, you know, First gets a driving license. It's a uh, many see it as a as a ticket to freedom, and the room to explore and, and get out and about. And changing those habits are challenging. Um, there are some competing uh, forces, if you like, which uh, sometimes compel people to go there. Um, affordability, affordable life is is a big driver. We know in Vancouver and surroundings, Victoria, elsewhere, um, cost of living is high. Housing consumes a big part of one's personal budget. Transportation is usually the next biggest spend. So if something has to give, that's a good place to look. And then and then kind of running um, hand in hand with that is um, environmental impact. And you know, for everybody, that's a little bit different, what it means, what they want to do about it, what they're willing to trade off. And so those two things, affordability and sustainability, if you like, are big driving forces. But for some, it's, it just runs too deep and it's hard to change, but we see, particularly amongst uh, younger people, more a tendency to uh, maybe never to have owned a car, um, get their driving license, want to use a car, you know, once in a while if they need to do something that they can't, you know, walk to, ride the bike, uh, use transit, and so it fills in, a, in a, an important gap. And and there's absolutely been a really steady growth in that uh, over the years. And I think, too, at least anecdotally, the more easy it seems to get rid of a car, if there are more options, the easier it is to actually do so. What do you think about the entrance of Uber and Lyft and other services to BC? Are they competitors of Modo or are they in some way a complement to the service you offer? Yeah, not, not competitors at all. And, and I think you, you make a very good point that um, to give up a car, one trades off typically convenience for something else. Uh, affordability, sustainability, you know, these kind of things. And so what we have to do collectively as, as an industry, shared mobility options, are provide a whole range of choices. Because people have kind of, have different 
trip needs. Sometimes you just want to go to A to B and that's it. Sometimes you want to go away for a few days. Sometimes you need a vehicle for a few hours. For most people, primary needs are, you know, getting to work, getting to school, you know, the kind of things you're doing, you know, every day, maybe five days a week, you know, that kind of thing, Monday to Friday. And so we need to present a whole range of options to suit different kinds of needs. So, you know, the more, the more options, the better. Shared bikes, um, good bike lanes, uh, good transit. Transit is absolutely paramount. It is the, the single most important uh, mode and everything else is kind of complementary um, around it. So collaboration is kind of the key amongst all the, uh, the shared mobility uh, operators that we can provide this whole mosaic of services that satisfy needs well enough that people will choose not to own a car. Do you see a big difference in needs in when you compare different regions? So for example, Vancouver versus Victoria versus Kelowna? Yeah, those, those geographies are, are rather different um, in a number of different respects. Geography, of course, uh, population density, and um, the extent to uh, which they're served by transit. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about Vancouver, you know, the closer you get to the city center, the better your options are. Big density of population, both where people are living, where people are working, uh, great public transit, bike lanes, you know, all of that. A lot of people can walk to work or ride their bike. You have all the options available. The farther you move away from the center, uh, the less choice you have, the bigger, uh, let's say, um, spaces between choices, uh, even in terms of transit routes or availability of shared cars or other, other kind of uh, options. Um, Victoria, Victoria's been amazing. Uh, people of Victoria are very um, uh, environmentally minded, are very attuned to riding their bikes. Uh, our, the car share, our business there is, is doing extremely well. Uh, probably the fastest growing area amongst the, the 24 municipalities where we're present across uh, BC. Um, if you look at a place like Kelowna, Kelowna, <clears throat> there's still a, a, a more ingrained car culture there, which I think is influenced by the geography. You know, if you can't if you can't get to work or to school every day um, using uh, transit, you're going to own a car. If your work is either because transit isn't frequent enough, or it's not serving the place where you're going, maybe a bit more remote. Um, once you buy a car, you're never going to use any of the other shared modes because you just have your car. Why would you? And so, you know, transit is key, and we have all of those choices in Vancouver to get to where we want to go. That's why transit, you know, the transit system in um, Vancouver, TransLink, it's, it's the best and fastest growing and most well-used transit system in all of North America. You know, all, a lot of other transit systems are, are seeing declines, but TransLink, pandemic aside, of course, uh, TransLink has been doing uh, phenomenally well. Well, and to your point too, if the service works well, it's also a much more affordable option than owning a car. So if it works, why wouldn't you use that? transit option. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's another good point. You know, the, the cases for affordability and reduced environmental impact through using shared cars and transit and riding your bike, that, those are no-brainers, right? But we still have 1.6 million privately used cars out there. And this is this sort of convenience trade-off that I was mentioning, right? There's still, for some people, in spite of those very strong cases, you know, call it a business case or a personal case, for you know affordability and environmental impact in spite of all that convenience still um, trumps the those those things and people choose to own their own car and so it's it's incumbent on us as an industry 
to make um, the range of other choices as convenient or as closely convenient to owning your own car as we possibly can. Well, I imagine a lot of those 1.6 million personal cars were maybe sitting unused for a period of time <laughs> when COVID-19 happened. Do you oh think gosh. this shift from, to working from home is going to maybe force people to rethink what they spend on transportation and how they use transportation? I, I expect so. I mean, those cars, even before the pandemic, were sitting idle 95% of the time. So just saying. Right. <laughs> but you're right. You remember in the in the very first days, back in late March, early April, you could walk down any street in Vancouver and never see a car. You could walk down the middle of the road, you know, pretty casually um, without any problem at all. Um, that's crept back up as we've rolled through the different phases of, uh, of reopening. So we see more and more cars on the street. We see more use of of our cars. But you're right, people, you know, to the extent that people will continue to work from home, because for most organizations and or people, whatever they're doing, it's worked. I, I suspect people will stay home probably at least some of the time, if not all of the time. And that will make a change. Yeah. And we'll see. It's too early to tell what that's going to look like. Um, we'll see. But we're cautiously optimistic. <laughs> what would you say looking 10 or even 20 years out are some of the biggest trends that are going to shape transportation and how we engage with transportation and also how we choose to move around regions or communities? Mm, really good question. There, there will be, there will be um, undoubtedly a number of factors. Uh, urban design is probably pretty high on the list, you know, to the extent that we can, more of us can get the things we need. Uh, and to the places we need to go, uh, walking or riding our bikes. So if, if if you know we're living and working and being able to do our provisioning in relative you know close distance, that will be really helpful. Of course, we have the um, the autonomous car somewhere looming there on the horizon. You know what is that going to mean? There will be no business case. You know if in the event of a you know availability of fleets of autonomous cars there really wouldn't be a good case for anybody to own their own car because that will really solve the convenience uh, question. Mm -hmm. The car is just right there in front of your door, you know, when the time comes. And then I'll come back to maybe in the, that's a little bit of a distant future, I think, but closer future is something called uh, mobility as a service. And, and this comes back to the theme of collaboration. And we actually work on a, on a project right now. Um, a group of us won a, an innovation contest that TransLink ran a couple of summers ago. Uh, so um, Modo, Mobi, so shared bikes, uh, Evo, another form of car share, one-way car share versus our round-trip car share, and TransLink itself. So the four of us are working on a platform that um, would allow people to very conveniently use all of these modes to get to where they want to go. So for the future, it's it's a question of you know connecting people with places. What do the places look like? And that's kind of the urban planning side. And then how do we get to those places? If we can um, solve the convenience question through shared mobility platforms that are super easy to, to use, to pay for your use, plan your trip, all of that, that we think will be uh, really helpful. That's really interesting. Sounds like a great project that's being worked on there. I'm curious too about your thoughts on mobility of goods, for example, as an alternative of us needing to go to the store, us needing to go to work and having products and goods and services simply brought to us. All the Amazon boxes in my lobby for the past six <laughs> months shows that we can get a lot to us and we don't actually need to go out. What are your thoughts on 
how that trend might shape transportation. Yeah, I have I have very mixed emotions on this uh, topic. I love the um, kind of traditional uh, shopping street, call it a main street or a high street or whatever you like. Those are kind of all in all of the neighborhoods around you know our communities and and so on. And there's a bit of a risk of those being replaced through delivery to home. Uh, delivery to home is is very convenient. Um, you lose a bit of the social contact of getting out and kind of getting on those main streets and maybe grabbing a coffee while you're out and uh, and so on. So the convenience is there. There is a little bit of a, of a question uh, mark uh, in my mind around the environmental impact of doing that, if that's truly better or not. Um, just as a, as a, I, I know a little bit about this world from my from my some of my past experiences. Uh, the way the supply chains typically work in Canada is a lot of our goods. If you think about clothing, for example, or or electrical uh, devices and such, maybe a bit different than food. A lot of things are produced outside of the country, oftentimes in Asia. They arrive in a big boat container to the port of Vancouver. They get offloaded. Most Canadian companies will have, if they have a warehouse, they'll have it in the area around Toronto, Mississauga, sort of west of Toronto, that area. The goods will move all the way there. Then somebody here will order something online and they'll have to come all the way back. Often because people, the, the tendency in, in online delivery has been shorter and shorter, you know, overnight, even to same day. And so that creates a fair amount of sort of environmental stress, right? You have to put those goods from Toronto on a plane and then you send them all the way back across the country and then they get eventually onto a truck and sorted and delivered to the house. And, and so I'm, I'm a bit of a mixed mind. For a consum- from a consumer point of view, super convenient. From an environmental and uh, let's say community point of view, I'm less convinced. So that's my two cents. Fair enough. It's also shocking to see how much plastic these things come in too. I'm not a big online shopper, but it's shocking you buy a toothbrush or something small yes. and it's wrapped and wrapped and wrapped. That cannot be good for the environment, especially when we're trying to move toward banning single-use plastics. And here we are bringing everything to us wrapped 10 times in plastic. Yes, absolutely. Agreed. <laughs> Patrick, a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on with your insight on transportation. Thank you so much, Ellie. That's Patrick Nangle. He is the CEO of Modo joining us this week on our special podcast themed all about transportation. This has been BIV Today. I'm Haley Wooden and we will be back tomorrow with another episode.